real joy uh, to be with you this morning. It's particularly a great joy to be here at Grace Community Church. Uh, knowing that Ian and Amanda here, knowing that Malcolm and Gal, we have some friends here. It's just wonderful uh, to have the opportunity to share with you this morning. My prayer is that we'll actually respond to what God says this morning. I, I, I pray and thinking and reflecting. I'm going to ask you this morning to actually take a step of faith. I'm going to encourage you to do that. And I'm going to physically ask you to move from where you are. You may be sitting. I'm going to invite you to stand and respond. Because so often when God's word is spoken to us, we often hear it. But we need to physically do something that just confirms what God has said to us. So I'm just warning you that at the end of my talk, I'm going to encourage you uh, to respond to God's word. And, and the reason I do that very simply is, as far as I can see, whenever Jesus spoke, there was always a reaction. Peter either wanted to follow him or stone him. And I only ever get to speak once wherever I go uh, around. That was a joke. Um, so I'm going to invite you to respond this morning. If you have a Bible, I'll let you turn with me to Luke chapter 5. So I still do paper. How many do paper? How many have technology? How many are confused? Um, <laughs> So if you have technology, turn to Luke uh, chapter 5 and verse 12. It's also found in Mark uh, 2 and Matthew. And if we're looking at the hermeneutic and understanding scripture, this particular passage carries a lot of weight. The amount that scripture gives to a pictured subject determines the value that God puts on it. If you look in the New Testament, the parable of the sower, which is the parable, of all parables. It says in Mark, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parable. And it's given a lot of weight because it's all about how we communicate what we are and who we are into our society. That's why the church is here. To be in those places and to throw out the seed and let it take root. So let's read, I'll read to you that. You may all read it together, but I'm just going to read it to you from verse uh, 17 of Luke 5. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to think to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood, in, stood up in front of them. Uh, sorry. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Father, we pray that you would speak to us from your word in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to give this under four hooks. But the first hook that I want us to realize is that these four people that were carrying the paralytic, the person on the mat, the paralyzed man, how did that come about? Let me tell you something. For any transformation to occur in our communities, in individuals, there's got to be someone that realizes if I can just get this person into the presence of Jesus, then Jesus has the power to transform their lives. Someone has to have vision that says this gospel, this Jesus, has the power to transform the most broken, the most desperate, the most challenging situation. And I have vision to see that happen. So I don't know who these four people were that were carrying the mat, but there's probably four because we've got it in another context. So one of them was a visionary. Visionary people are quite difficult to cope with. They're always talking vision. And there are other people that talk detail. Let me tell you something. You need visionary people and you need detail people. You've got to have team. We've got to have everybody in on this. We've got to have the whole church working together. And we bring certain gifts, but we need all of those gifts. I want to recruit you to come under vision to bring about transformation. So I don't know who the other characters were in this. I reckon there was probably someone there who wasn't really certain what God's will was for their life. But a leader came and said, I want you to carry this for a couple of miles. There are some people sitting around saying, I'm not sure what God's calling me to do. We need a leader to say, God's calling you to do this. I'm going to recruit you. I'm going to take you on board. There was probably someone, interestingly, as you follow the story, that wasn't full of faith, but actually decided they were going to carry the map. And there was clearly an engineer. Because when they arrived at the problem and they went up to the roof, it was the engineer who took apart the roof and dropped gently the paralytic on the mat exactly where Jesus was standing. If it had been me, there would have been holes all over the roof until we got it right. And probably somebody on the team said, well, if we drop him, it doesn't matter. He's a paralytic anyway. But, joke. And the reality is that these four people <coughs> realize that we need to get this person to Jesus. 
How do you see the movement? How do you bring about transformation in Ballinahinch to Northern Ireland? You get the right people on the bus <coughs> and the right team. In 1738, there was a particular character. This particular character was brought up very religious. He was actually brought up to pray and read his Bible every day. He went off to university, and while he was at university, he prayed and read his Bible every day. But he had no assurance of his faith in Christ. His father then said to him, I would like you to go into holy orders to be ordained for the Church of England. He became ordained. But he still had no assurance of a relationship with God that was real and personal. He then went over to America. And when he went over to America on a ship, he was coming back to England. And as he was coming back to England, there was a storm and there was a group of Moravian Christians on the ship that he was on. Now, these Moravian Christians were the Pentecostals of the day. And they were praising God in this storm. And he wrote in his journal, I went over to, to convert America. But oh, who will convert me? And then he said, I met these Moravians. And he said to them, we're going to die in this storm. And they said, and I quote, whether we live or whether we die, our life is his in Christ. And he went, I don't get it. And I'm a vicar. He came back to London. He went to St. Paul's Cathedral for a service. And then somebody said to him, I want you to come to another service on this particular evening in a place called Fetters Lane, which is just a small lane off St. Paul's by Fleet Street for a service. And at 8.45 that night, written in his journal were these words. My heart is strangely warmed. I have experienced the witness of the Spirit that I'm now adopted as his son and his daughter. And there was born, on that moment, a man that would create a movement to change the world. That would actually change the world in the unblushing lawlessness that was rife in the UK and England at that time was stemmed by two people, Wesley and Whitfield. And Wesley created a movement. And as he created a movement, he then was kicked out of the Church of England because he preached grace. He preached you can encounter the love of God. He preached that Jesus' forgiveness was real for everyone. That didn't go down well because they were looking at holy orders and rules and rituals. And he preached the gospel. They threw him out. He never wanted to start a movement. But he was passionate. Let me tell you a few things about this guy. I can't give you all the story. He referenced four, four times in his journal back to this encounter in Fetter's Lane. He did a few things in his life. He wrote 600 pieces of literature. He operated in 16 different languages. He traveled 250,000 miles on horseback. It was known as the Sermon on the Mount. 
At 85, he was pretty angry with his doctor for not letting him preach more than 14 times a week. He wrote in his journal, laziness is slowly creeping in. There's an increasing desire to stay in bed after 5.30 in the morning. One man. But he created a strategy with a method that transformed the nation. They never wanted to be called Methodists, but they had a method, so they were called Methodists. And what he did was he brought teams together. The cell group, the life group, was the key. He presented vision so that social transformation was key to everything he did. He changed finance, he changed budgets, he changed values, he changed family. He spoke into all these areas, but he never stopped preaching the gospel alongside it. So, if you want to bring that transformation in Bellamy Hinch, I'm going to recruit you to be on the team. And I want you to understand there will be visionaries, there will be engineers, there will be people that get it, but we need everyone. We need everyone on the team. So that's the first thing, it's a team exercise. The second is this. Once you step out and trust God, once you take a step of faith, that faith will be challenged. So these four people come bringing a paralytic on a mat. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes the very people that are meant to reflect Jesus are the very people that stop us from seeing Jesus. The religious. The Pharisees. They stop us seeing Jesus. Sometimes the church is the biggest obstacle to seeing Jesus. So these four arrive. Can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine one of them challenging the visionary leader? This is hopeless. Look at what you've done. And we now got to carry him all the way back. But if you're a visionary leader, let me tell you something. You've got to think outside the box. You've got to think differently. You've got to not use the same method you've always used. You've got to almost be a bit of a social entrepreneur. You've got to be passionate about the gospel and knowing this Jesus. But actually, we can't just do it the way we've always done it. The gospel remains true. But some of the things we do, we just do because we do. So the visionary leader says, okay, let's go for the roof. No roof. That's crazy. But won't it be fun? And listen, if it all goes wrong, you've got a good memory to tell to your grandchildren. <laughs> you know, some people won't take the risk. And the reason they won't take the risk is they want a sign from God that yes, I am with you. Most leaders that I've met, most of the things that I've done, I hope that God is with me, but I never really know until you see his favour on what you do. Jonathan and his armour bearer, back in 1 Samuel, when the Philistine camp was everywhere, they had one sword left between them. And Jonathan says to his armour bearer, <coughs> 
It may be that God is with us. It may be. But all these Philistines have got swords that it may be. I would need an aeroplane from heaven with a sign off the back of it saying, I am with you, you are not going to die. But it's all he had is it would may be. And let me tell you something, if you come up with one crazy idea, God will give you some other crazy person that says, seems like a good idea. God will always give you that. But you've got to take the step. So they went for the roof. I'm sure he had to deal with some criticism, some grumbling. A bit like when Moses arrived at the Red Sea. And they led to a certain pace and then everybody said, look at this, we're not going to get over that. Grumbling, mumbling. Welcome to the leadership. It's what you get. But then when you get on the other side, it's very different. So listen. They arrive. They lower him through the roof. And the second thing that happens is this. Jesus looks up through that hole in the roof and what does he say when he saw their faith how did he see their faith did he see it in their faces well their faces look amazing they're smiling they're happy no he saw it in their actions he saw it in what they've done you see, if you're a believer, I want to see the way you live. If you're a believer, I want to see what you do with your money. If you're a believer, I want to see the way you treat your family. If you're a believer, I want to see it in your actions. I want to see it in what you do. I want to see it in the way you care for the poor. I want to see it in the way you heal the broken. I want to see it. I want to see it in your actions. That's why I'm going to call you this morning to take a step. To say, what is God calling to you this morning? That you need to take a step. You need to take an action. Because this gospel calls believers to believe. Isn't it amazing in John 6, verse 28 and 29, when the disciples asked a profound question of Jesus. And they said this, what does it mean to do the work of God? What does it mean to do the work of God? Set up Grace Church. Is that the work of God? Tithes and offerings, is that the work of God? Jesus answers in an amazing answer. He says, listen guys, the work of God is this. In verse 28 and 29 of John 6, it's to believe. It's to believe. We need to be a faith community. We need to be believers that believe. We need to be believers that are convinced that the gospel has the power to transform any broken life. We need to be believers that hold out to the promises of God. And let me tell you something, we live with mystery. We need not God coming through every time, but we're still believers. Because the word of God is true. Because even if my spirit experience is not there, the word of God holds true. And I still believe it. At that point you meant to say Amen. So he saw their faith. Does he see yours? Or have you done this so long that you've been in church forever? <coughs> you believe Jesus died and was saved. 
But are you still walking by faith, not by sight? Are you still stepping out and inviting people to encounter this Jesus? Are you still offering prayer? Are you still giving and generous and serving? Because that's what it means to follow my Jesus. That's what it means to keep going. And keep seeing the amazing encounters that God does. And look back and say, God, you were amazing. What you did there, I, I fought in and trusted you, but you came through. So he saw their faith. And then he comes up with the most amazing statement. To the parable. It's a sign of endearment. In, in Mark it says son. But here it says friend. You're a friend of God. <coughs> friend of God. Love. The extravagant love of God. And I don't care what you've done. You could have done the most horrendous thing. <coughs> you may feel it's too late, too broken, too messed up. I have a Jesus that says no. He can transform any broken life. I remember a minister who was telling me about a funeral that he spoke at. And he was struggling because this guy, somebody had died in the community, and these two brothers never went to church. They were known to be evil. They were known to be the worst in the community. And he went around every minister in the community and he said, would you please speak at the funeral of my brother? And every one of them declined. And you may be wondering why did they decline? That's what they had to do. They declined because he said, would you please speak at the funeral of my brother and would you call him a saint? And they all knew. They were known. But this one minister said, I can do it. I'll call him a saint. And the church was packed. It was packed with people who wouldn't normally be in church. He had the robes and the rat. Everyone was in church. And the minister was like, this is amazing. And he said, the man laying before you was a liar, was an adulterer. He did every kind of evil act you can think of. Yet compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> <laughs> The reality is that we all make those comparisons. And because of that, you don't see the knowledge that you need a savior. You're not as bad as someone else. I'm going to tell you something. He says to your friend, and then he says, I'm going to sit you I want to forgive you. Your sins are forgiven. I want to give you the kiss of forgiveness. And maybe the first step of faith is not thinking it's too late, it's too far gone. No, God says I can redeem any person. And some of the most broken, we wrote a book called 40 Stories of Hope, which is all about prisoners that come to faith in Christ. Some of the most broken ones. And they were ruined. But when they encountered Jesus, they had to deal with all the pain of what they'd done, of course. But they knew the kiss of forgiveness. So, we need to declare, once this person is in the presence, we need to tell them your sins can be forgiven. I want to say to you this morning, friend, 
your sins can be forgiven. I'm a savior for you. Whatever you've done. So there can be a lightness in your spirit. So you can be changed. So that you can go out knowing that you're free. And the final thing is when he makes this statement. And when you make the statement like your sins are forgiven, who gets upset? It's always the religious. Always. If you want to meet some of the most broken people in this community, let me tell you something. Their process of discipleship will be messy. Things that happen will be messy. They won't get it all together as you've got it all together. But show them grace. Show them love. Come into their brokenness and be Jesus. And so the religious are like, you can't forgive sins. That's blasphemy. And then Jesus says, okay, let me tell you something. The ultimate authority I have is to forgive sins. That's what he says. But I also have authority to forgive, uh, to heal. The ultimate authority is dying on a cross. The power of that brokenness in our world is massive. That's where the real authority is. But as a result of that, I can also heal the sick. So he turns to the paralytic. And he says, get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. He picks up his mat. And he walks. I'm sure the four looking through the roof were quite pleased. <laughs> oh, good, we haven't got to carry him out. The visionary thought, we just need to get more people into the presence of Jesus. You see, that's why evangelists are in the church. You may be doing quite well when we're pastoring with all these issues and you've got evangelists going out and getting more. Like, no, we can't even cope with this mess. Yeah, yeah, there's more. That's why we're in this team. And then he lifts up his mat and goes home. And the transformation of everyone in that place is they all encounter the Spirit. It says, very simply, we, there, in that passage, at the end, Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen something remarkable before our very eyes. You see, when God comes in presence, the cynic is transformed. Because they were cynical. And maybe you've come this morning and you are not convinced about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this gospel is true. But I also want to tell you, you can experience this gospel. I also want to invite you, and my time has gone, I know, do forgive me for going a little bit over. But I also want to ask you and invite you to take a step of faith. To say, Roy, I know some friends, I know some family. Even my own family, maybe there's some struggles in my own family, and I need to be holding out in faith. I need to do some actions. I need to take the next step. Maybe it's to encounter Jesus for the first time, but there's probably a lot of us here 
They just need to take a step of faith. Let me tell you something. 70% of people, when they're invite, invited to ask someone to come to an event, know exactly who they should invite, but they don't do it. Because of fear. Because they're scared. Because of what they would think. Hey, as part of your discipleship, just step out. Just step in. And as you step in, I'm inviting you onto the most amazing roller coaster ride that you'll ever want to get on. When I was in Youth for Christ, and this is my closing story, I went to a place called Orton Towers. It's a big roller coaster place. And as I went there, it's the largest paying youth attraction in the UK. And as I went there, as part of my research, I felt it was important to go on the rides. <laughs> and there's one ride called Oblivion. It's the most amazing one. You sit in the seat, and this clamp comes down on you and pushes you into the seat. And then you climb for like 50,000 feet. Click, 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 building the suspense. Then you get to the top and you stop. And you're like, now I'm going to die. <laughs> and then you go on the most amazing ride. And any normal person <coughs> would grip the side of the cart so tightly that your fingers would impregnate the steel. But all these young people, on this ride, all go <laughs> crazy. <coughs> the reason you don't see too many people queuing for this ride is when you queue for it, it says, if you have a heart condition, <laughs> if you're pregnant, if you have more than one brain cell, we suggest you don't ride. <laughs> when you connect your life up to the living God, it will be an amazing life to just at the end to have one final breath that says, what a ride. What a ride. That's what it means to walk by. That's what it means to trust this Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your witness this morning. And I just pray right now that you give us the courage to do what we need to do. Maybe some of us here, we know exactly what you're asking us to do. Some of us are not certain, but we know we need to take a step. We don't see it all, we don't get it all, but we're going to step out. So Father, come now by your Spirit. I'm going to invite you, just in the quiet now, to make a stand. And if you're able, if you're prepared to say, God, you challenged me this morning to live by faith, not my sight, to take a step.
maybe in a family context, maybe in financial, maybe ministry, maybe opportunity. I don't know what it means, but you're prepared to take that step. I'd like you right now just to stand to your feet by acknowledging that God has spoken to you this morning and you're going to take that next step. You stand right now. God has spoken to you. Maybe you've never taken a step of faith to follow Christ. This is a great moment. But it will result in action. I'm just going to wait a few moments more. This is your moment in this safe place. Just stand to your feet. Just say, God, I'm going to take that step. And he says to you, friend, as I'm going to give you a phrase at a time and I'd just love you to say out loud after me. See, the Bible says that I believe in my heart but that I confess with my mouth. And you've taken that step, yes, I believe. Now I'm asking you to confess it and just say. And then if you like someone to pray with you, I'm happy to pray with anyone or those people that can Let's, those of us stand. And if you should be standing, you still have time, just stand to your feet and say, yeah, I should be in on this. I need to be part of this. But let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I stand before you. Thank you for speaking to me this morning. I ask you now, to give me the courage to take the next step. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you that you go with me May I rely on you and see the transformation that I long for. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you for every person who is standing before you. And I pray for them now that even now your Holy Spirit would just show them the next steps. That even now your Holy Spirit will show them the individual, the situation, and what they need to do. Thank you that your love is so real and so powerful. Holy Spirit, come now and just minister.